Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. The real truth about bail reform and its debate. Before we get started, we should define a few terms and dispel a few myths. Let us begin. What is bail? When an offense is committed, the person implicated is expected to stand trial. However, sometimes the court allows such a person to pay a certain amount of money as they wait for their trial. This money is paid to show their commitment to appear in court when required. The cash deposited in this case is referred to as bail. Therefore, posting bail refers to paying a given amount of money as bail. Thus, the ability to make a bail payment allows a person to post bail. Bail has several important uses as follows. It is used as collateral to ensure accused persons attain trial on the given dates. Helps in protecting innocent people from suffering jail time. Thus, bail ensures that everyone is treated as innocent until convincing evidence proves them guilty. Bail transfers the tax burden to the accused and removes it from the taxpayers. Trials can take long and funding them can be expensive. As bail money is refundable, the accused is asked to pay and get it back once the trial is over. What is a bail bond? Bail is mostly set at a high amount making it difficult for defendants to raise the finances thus leading to the inability to post bail by themselves. As a result, they reach out to a bail bondsman or bail agent who pays the bail amount for them. Therefore, the bail bond is an agreement by a criminal defendant to pay an amount of money as stated by a court or appear for trial. 
the bail bond ensures that a defendant is released from jail. The bail bond is co-signed by a bail bondsman who charges a fee to the defendant in return for guaranteeing the payment. The bail bond is a sort of surety bond, meaning that it is a contractual obligation that is legally binding and involves the defendant and the bondsman. A bond agency makes the bail bond a reality. This is an agency that posts bail for those defendants who are unable to make the payment. A bond agency employs many agents who work on their behalf to conduct checks on defendants to establish the level of risk and availability of collateral such as a house, car, land, etc. The agency expects that a defendant can guarantee 10% of the required bail amount. Defendants pay the bond agency 10 minutes 15% of the bail money as a fee. The defendant does not get this money back. The requirement is that the defendant must attend their hearing so that the bail money is not forfeited. In some states of America, the defendant must appear in court within six months. This gives the bond agency work to look for the defendant and ensure they appear in court to avoid losing the bond money. Once the defendant stands for trial, the bail money is paid to the bond agency. This is regardless of whether the defendant is guilty or innocent. Failure to make an appearance in court can result in loss of collateral by defendants. Difference between bail and bail bond. Bail and bail bond are both used to pay for amounts requested by courts before standing trial. However, the difference is that the bail bond is money borrowed through a contractual agreement to have the bail money cleared by a third party. This contractual obligation means that the defendant promises to pay the bondsman as per their agreement. Types of bail. Own recognizance. This is a no-cost bail, meaning that a defendant does not need to part with any money to be released. However, defendants sign a written promise agreeing to appear for trial when required. Example, Amanda is homeless and was arrested while sleeping under the bridge near the sheriff's office at noon. She was risking her own life and those of other motorists. Amanda is poor and has no way of paying bail. She is released on a signed promise that she will appear in court in a fortnight. Cash bond. This is a bail payment done by a defendant in full without needing to depend on the assistance of a bail agent. This type of bail can be done on behalf of the defendant by friends or family. The cash bond remains in the custody of the court and is given back after the trial is over. Example, Tom was arrested yesterday evening due to driving under the influence of alcohol. His brother posted bail for him this morning and he was released pending his hearing in a week's time. Property bond. This is a bond that uses property, such as land or buildings, as collateral. This means that time is needed to check the value of the property. In most cases, a property needs to be twice the value of a bail amount for it to be considered. This differs from the cash bond because it deals in fixed assets mostly in line with real estate. Also, cash bonds are acceptable in all states while property bonds are not acceptable in all states. The purpose of bail. When a judge allows bail for someone accused of a crime, the decision benefits the person charged in the already crowded jail system. The decision is based upon factors such as the severity of the crime, the person's past criminal history, the flight risk of the accused. A bail bond company provides the court with a bond. The bond is similar to a check and is only cashed by the court if the defendant fails to make their court appearance. Nevada law requires that bail is set at 15%, no more, no less. Failure to appear results in a warrant for the defendant's arrest, and a bounty hunter is retained to return the defendant to the court system. The consigner for the defendant's bail is then responsible for any fees. Bail laws contain safeguards designed to hold dangerous criminals until their court date. For example, defendants charged with murder or any other capital offenses are typically denied bail. What if you can't afford bail? Those who can't afford to pay their full amount of bail, which can sometimes be hundreds of thousands of dollars, have a couple of options. The first, one that probably isn't available to most people, is to borrow the money from a family member or friend. If this isn't possible, there is a whole business set up to profit off this exact situation. Private bail bond companies will agree to pay the full bail for the defendant, but they require a fee, except this one is non-refundable. 
They will typically require the defendant to post at least 10 to 15% of the full amount, and they will also likely require some kind of collateral, such as a car, house, jewelry, or anything else worth the amount of bail. These requirements are to make the risk worth taking. If the defendant doesn't show up to their appearances as agreed, the bail bondsman will be responsible for the full bail amount. The collateral will be used to regain what they lost in the process. If this is the route a defendant wants to take, they need to either contact the bail bondsman themselves while in jail or contact a family member or friend who can make the arrangements for them. If the defendant has a lawyer already, then they can give their legal expertise in deciding what the best option is and will likely be able to recommend bail bond companies their clients have had success with. If possible, it's best to read reviews about the companies before doing business with anyone to be sure this company is trustworthy. Be wary of any deals that sound too good to be true. Additionally, the defendant may be able to put a piece of collateral up directly to the court and substitute for their bail. This will put a lien on the collateral that will be removed once all appearances have been attended. If none of these are options, then the defendant is going to be forced to wait in jail until their hearing. Unfortunately, even though everyone has the right to a fair and speedy trial, some waiting periods can be pretty lengthy, especially for serious cases that involve a lot of gathering of evidence and other time-consuming tasks. The defendant will want to be sure that their lawyer has had sufficient time to prepare their case, yet doesn't want to stay in jail longer than necessary. In some cases, the judge may make other arrangements. However, they do have the option to release the defendant on their own personal recognizance or on a citation. These are typically reserved for nonviolent, smaller crimes though. Additionally, this release will probably come with some conditions that the defendant must live by a risk being sent back to jail to await their trial. Some of these stipulations include not break any other laws, not use alcohol or drugs, complete drug testing, stay away from people in situations that may get them into trouble, report to an officer or the court is required, not leave a predetermined city, state, country, etc., attend drug rehabilitation or counseling if necessary. What exactly do people want to change? The ACLU Campaign for Smart Justice is working in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. for reforms to usher in a new era of justice in America. Here are the areas they are trying to reform. Sentencing reform. We must reduce both the number of people entering jails and prisons and the extreme laws and policies that drive extraordinary long prison terms. Bail reform. We're overhauling harmful, unjust, and profit-seeking bail systems that needlessly lock up millions of people who haven't been convicted of a crime just because they can't afford to pay bail. We are pressuring equity and insurance companies to divest from the predatory for-profit bail industry. Prosecutorial reform. Prosecutors are the most powerful actors in the criminal legal system. For too long, they have made choices that perpetuate mass incarceration rather than tear it down. We're challenging prosecutorial abuse through voter education and mobilization and in the courts and legislatures. Parole and release. Hundreds of thousands of people, including those convicted of violent and nonviolent crimes, stay in prison for too long because of broken parole and release systems. We are overhauling these systems by challenging the plethora of conditions of release, including technical violations that often cause people to be returned to prison. Reentry Each year, 650,000 people nationwide return from prison to their communities. Yet the challenges do not end once the prison bars are lifted. They face nearly 50,000 federal, state, and local legal restrictions that make it difficult to reintegrate back into society. Clemency. We are lobbying the president and governors to free 50,000 people by using their clemency powers in new and transformational ways, and specifically through the use of categorical clemency. Policing. To bring an end to racist, violent policing and to empower communities of color to heal, repair the harms caused by policing, and build safe and thriving communities, we must reduce the role, resources, and power of police and invest in alternatives. Bail reform. Explained. Again. 1. What we know about bail. Nationwide, more than 60% of jail 
bail inmates are jailed pretrial, over 30% cannot afford to post bail. Black and Hispanic defendants are much more likely to be held on bail than white defendants. Often, those being held on bail have simply been accused of low-level offenses. 75% of pretrial detainees have been charged with only drug or property crimes. Being jailed pretrial has collateral consequences. It leads to people losing their jobs, not being able to care for their children, and losing contact with loved ones. Holding people in jail who do not pose a significant safety risk also exacerbates overcrowding, creates unsafe conditions, and places is a huge financial burden on taxpayers. A study out of Kentucky found that people who are held because they cannot afford bail are 40% more likely to commit another low-level offense. In other words, jailing people who cannot pay bail is criminogenic. We also know that people are more likely to be acquitted if they pay bail, in part because they are less likely to take plea deals just to get out of jail. Being released before trial closely correlates with a not guilty verdict suggesting that the system is not punishing the most guilty, but rather the people who cannot afford to pay for their release. One study suggests that those people are over three times more likely to be sentenced to prison and over four times more likely to be sentenced to jail than those who are not detained pretrial. Similarly, a study out of Columbia Law School found significant evidence of a correlation between pretrial detention and both conviction and recidivism. Meanwhile, there are costs to taxpayers as well. Incarcerating individuals awaiting trial costs taxpayers $13.6 billion each year. There are effective, low-cost ways of ensuring that defendants appear at trial, including a simple notification system that reminds people of their court dates. Court Appearance Notification System Evaluation Highlights Multnomah County 2. The Role of the Bail Industry In states and cities that want to reform their use of bail, the biggest obstacle remains the bail bond industry. For-profit bail bonds are legal in almost every state. Money bail has been taken over by private companies that make profits from those who cannot afford it. Bail bond costs are often covered by family members, which puts an additional financial strain on the already struggling children of the jail. Many people spent years paying off their bail amounts to private insurers. Report, Color of Change in ACLU. There's some evidence that the bail bonds industry is intentionally intimidating decision makers to urge them to oppose bail reform. Dwayne Chapman, star of the reality television series Dog the Bounty Hunter, has sat in the front row staring down lawmakers contemplating striking down monetary bail. Bail bond companies regularly give campaign contributions to prosecutors. Eric Gonzalez, the Brooklyn Dow often thought of as a progressive, accepted such contributions. After the media found out about it, he gave the money back. Dallas District Attorney Faith Johnson similarly received $5,385 from 13 bail bond companies in the Texas Bail Pact. 3. A growing consensus that America's bail system is broken. A wide range of elected officials, cultural luminaries, criminal justice advocates, fiscal conservatives, and law enforcement organizations agree that the current bail system is broken. Bail reform is possible through legislative and judicial change, and also through policy changes that local prosecutors can make. The public wants to see change. In Arizona, a poll conducted by the state's Supreme Court found that two-thirds of those surveyed thought that only those who are a safety risk or unlikely to appear in court should be held for failure to pay bail. Eliminating cash bail also has wide support among law enforcement, like Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart and victims' rights groups like Marcy's Law for Illinois, and it has bipartisan support. Conservative groups are demanding change to the cash bail system. In Ohio, for example, the conservative Buckeye Institute released a report calling the state's cash bail system an inefficient, expensive, unfair means of protecting communities that has proven no guarantee to stopping repeat offenders. Judges are also calling for reform to the bail system, including California. California's Chief Justice Tandy Cantosakli and former New York Chief Judge Jonathan Lipman, and celebrities are spreading the word. 
Athletes like Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden are advocating against money bail. Facts first, there's no clear evidence linking bail reforms, which have been in place for years in some cities, to the recent rise in violent crimes. In fact, the majority of cities that have seen increases in crime have not eliminated cash bail. Many variables have contributed to the increases Graham is referencing, but CNN has seen no evidence to suggest that bail reform is a major factor. Studies on bail reform There have been very few studies analyzing the effects of bail reform on crime rates during the pandemic era, and studies done prior to the pandemic have come to different conclusions as to the effects these reforms have had. In a November 2020 report, the left-leaning Prison Policy Initiative, a criminal justice reform think tank, reviewed 13 jurisdictions that have instituted pretrial reforms, including Washington, D.C., New Jersey, and Kentucky, and found that all but one of these jurisdictions saw decreases or negligible increases in crime after implementing reforms. The one exception is New York State, the report says, where the reform law existed for just a few months before it was largely rolled back. In July of last year, the New York Post investigated NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shee's claim that bail reform played a role in the rise in shootings. The Post reported that, according to data from the NYPD, bail reform did not play a role in the increase in shootings. Out of the 528 shootings from January 2020 through June 2020, only one person charged with a shooting had been released under the state's bail reform, according to the Post. One study conducted prior to the pandemic contradicts the implication that bail reforms lead to a significant increase in violent crime. An October 2019 report from the University of New Mexico indicated that after the state's bail reforms were implemented, a majority of individuals released pretrial did not commit other crimes. According to the report, while approximately one quarter of the defendants released were arrested for a new offense during the pretrial period, very few defendants released pretrial were arrested for a new violent crime. Studies on certain jurisdictions, such as Cook County, disagree on whether cash bail can be linked to any increase in crime. Two studies from the University of Utah and Loyola University Chicago came to opposite conclusions on whether the bail reform in Cook County led to an increase in crime in the county. These studies of Cook County are a clear... Hey, Secrets of Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because ner the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, Maybe, a, you know, a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Seriously, like a real-life cheat code. And then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merit Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me future you will thank you. Here example of how researchers disagree on methodology in studying the effects of bail reform and increases in crime. Despite these disagreements, CNN has seen no clear evidence to support Graham's insinuation that the small number of bail reforms in the U.S. have played a role in the increase in violent crimes throughout major cities in the country. 10 companies that use prison labor to rake in profits. 1. Walmart. Walmart is probably the one corporation that has used prison inmates for its production supplies the longest. 
Inmates are used to perform manufacturing tasks. The inmates also clean products of UPC barcodes and erase the barcodes of return items so that they can be repriced and resold. Other work includes repackaging return goods. According to Walmart, the company only uses voluntary prison labor. Their program pays inmates prevailing wages to prepare them to get back into society by providing marketable skills and job training that will benefit them in a job search. 2. McDonald's McDonald's has been using prison labor for many of its frozen foods. Inmates process beef for burgers, prepare potatoes to make fries, and package a variety of chicken products. Inmates also process bread and milk products. These foods are then transported to the various franchises all over the country. The fast food chain has been rebuked for its exploitation of prisoners. McDonald's issued a statement in 2020 saying they are against any form of forced or involuntary prison labor. 3. Compact It was first discovered more than 20 years ago that Compaq and a couple of its other industry counterparts had used prison labor to manufacture circuit boards. 20 years later, there has been no sign that Compaq, which is now a subsidiary of Hewlett-Packard, has slowed down its usage of inmates to produce these computer components. 4. Wendy's Like McDonald's, Wendy's has also been a prominent fast food titan using prison labor for many years. The inmates process beef to prepare burgers, and Wendy's ensures its cost of operations remains low by using this labor source. Wendy's stayed in their supplier code of conduct that their suppliers should only use individuals who manufacture voluntarily. 5. Starbucks Starbucks also utilizes prison labor to cut down on its manufacturing costs. The company subcontracts various coffee packaging jobs to Washington State Prison Services. Prison labor is mainly used during the holiday season to package holiday coffees. While Starbucks doesn't directly mention prison labor in their supplier code of conduct, they do state that their suppliers respect the rights of individuals who work with them. Companies that use child labor. 6. Sprint Sprint has used blue and white-collar criminals to provide telecommunication services to its customers. Inmates work in call centers 24-7 and provide customer service and assistance to Sprint clients. Similarly, Sprint states that they are completely against involuntary or forced prison labor. 7. Verizon Verizon, another major telecommunications firm, also takes advantage of white-collar criminals to provide provide telecommunication services to its customers, but also states that none of the prisoners are forced into the labor. This type of labor is cheap and easily available, with the savings passed on to subscribers and the revenues given to shareholders. 8. Nintendo A 2020 report by the U.S. State Department-funded Australian Strategic Policy Institute found that at least 83 companies were directly or indirectly linked to Chinese forced labor camps. Nintendo was one of the companies on the list, with rivals Sony and Microsoft also named in the report. The video game brand is not directly using labor from these camps, but it has ostensibly used parts sourced by these places for video game hardware manufacturing. As the report stated, factories across China are using forced labor that is tainting the global supply chain. 9. Avis You might notice a pattern with this next selection. Avis, the car rental company Behemoth, uses white and blue-collar criminals to support its call centers and customer service needs by taking reservations and arranging transportation at different airports for clients throughout the U.S. The call centers can be found in various state and federal prisons across the country, said Stephanie Redden, the author of a research project titled Hello from the Inside, Race, Gender, and Unfree Labor Within the Transnationally Situated Prison Call Center Industry. Several transnational companies have utilized call center labor, but it's unclear which organizations are specifically involved. 10. Aramark Aramark has used prison inmates for its dining services for many years. The company has been lamented for its poor food quality, but it still uses inmates to prepare and package most food items. Unlike other corporations, Aramark has been accused of not paying inmates anything and in 2019 was sued for using involuntary servitude. 
Current discussion on the U.S. bail system. The bail system in America has its critics. These critics take problem with the fact that, even though the law seems to hold that no one should be held in jail simply because they can't afford bail, for many, this is exactly their case. Some defendants truly can't even afford a $500 bail bond and are instead forced to wait in jail until their trial. Critics also note that the system tends to particularly disadvantage minorities, as black and Latino men pay 35% and 19% higher bail amounts, respectively. In 2013, New York City had 54% of their offenders remain in jail until the end of their trials because they couldn't afford bail of $2,500 or less. 31% of them were non-felony inmates with a $500 bond or less. On a national level, 38% of inmates defending felony charges will remain in prison for their entire pretrial period, but only one out of 10 of these is because the defendant was denied bail. The other nine will remain because they can't afford bail. For some, the damages of being stuck in jail for pretrial are detrimental. Defendants may lose their employment, housing, custody of children, have their relationships suffer, or not have the ample time or resources to fully prepare for their case. In fact, those who have to stay in jail until their case has been fought have a higher chance of being convicted. A Princeton study explains the several reasons why this may be the case. For one, those who are detained are more likely to be presented and accept a less favorable plea bargain or just plead guilty. Defendants that are released before trial are also more likely to get a reduction in their charges or a decrease in the amount. They explain that pre-trial release improves case outcomes primarily through a strengthening of defendants' bargaining positions. They also find that defendants are more likely to have their employment unaffected or be able to find employment after release. Supporters of the bail system will argue that it is a necessary component of our judicial system in order to ensure that guilty offenders won't escape or commit crimes while released before trial. It is their belief that judges are already considering their defendants' financial capabilities when setting bail as the law requires, and as such, the bail system is not flawed and rather protects innocent citizens. They also argue that crime increases when bail is restricted. However, this doesn't seem to be the case. In fact, New York, who reformed their bail system recently to allow 91% of defendants to be released on pretrial, has seen lower crime rates, and a reported crime wave appears to be fabricated. Overall, it seems many states, particularly more liberal ones, are having the conversation about the effects that their bail system has on their citizens and what they can do to reform it. The Economics of the American Prison System The American prison system is massive. So massive that its estimated turnover of $74 billion eclipses the GDP of 133 nations. What is perhaps most unsettling about this fun fact is that it is the American taxpayer who foots the bill and is increasingly padding the pockets of publicly traded corporations like Corrections Corporation of America and Geo Group. Combined, both companies generated over $2.53 billion in revenue in 2012 and represent more than half of the private prison business. So what exactly makes the business of incarcerating Americans so lucrative? CCA operates the fifth largest prison system, public or private, in the system in the U.S. Under its control include 51 owned and operated facilities in 16 states and contracted management of 18 more state-owned facilities in seven states. This network allows CCA to maintain a 44% stake in the $7.4 billion private corrections market for a market cap of $3.53 billion. All of this equates to a massively profitable operation for CCA who recorded $1.64 billion in revenue, $883.1 million of which came from state governments in 2012. Studies mostly agree that privatized prisons save money on the balance sheet, with short-run savings averaging about 19.25% and long-run savings averaging about 28.82%.
In fact, many states have statutes that require a certain percentage of savings, Florida 7%, Texas 10%, Kentucky 10%, Mississippi 10%, and contracts with private corrections providers. On paper, private corrections facilities are almost always more efficient than public ones. CCA reports savings of 68 minus 74% versus various government agencies for 1,000 new bids added. Astonishingly, CCA was able to generate these savings while also recording a 29.6% operating margin of $17.53 per man per day in 2012. Are private prisons really that much more efficient or are we missing something? Let's break this down further. In 2012, CCA received $59.14 in revenue per compensated man day from the government. Of this $59.14, CCA committed $41.61 to operating expenses per mandate. This effectively means CCA commits $41.61 to each prisoner each day. According to CCA's SEC filing, 65% of these operating expenses, or $27.05, goes to employee salaries and benefits. This leaves $14.56 per man day for the combined costs of food, medical care, and contracted drug rehabilitation and education programs. Considering that this is the area private prisons choose to cut costs, it is little wonder they come with hidden costs unaccounted for by their reported savings. For instance, a study on recidivism performed in Oklahoma between 1997 and 2008 showed that prisoners released from private prisons had almost a 4% higher rate of recidivism. This means that for every 1,000 prisoners released, private prisons have the additional annual cost to the Oklahoma taxpayer of $554,010. If you extrapolate this recidivism gap to a state like New Jersey that spends more per prisoner, the hidden cost of releasing 1,000 inmates jumps to $1,645,950. Why the prison complex is highly profitable. In 2020, it costs more than $447,000 per year to imprison just one inmate in a New York City jail. The amount rose from $337,867 in 2019, while the jail population went down. So, fewer inmates were to be managed, yet the cost went up by over $100,000. The concern is how this happens. Here is why. Charging one's property. In America, one is innocent until proven guilty. However, their property is not. Police can take one's property with just a suspicion that it may be illegal. They can confiscate your property without even taking you to court. This act is an opportunity for them to raise money. With the property, they buy themselves equipment, pay bills, and auction the rest. The suspected individual has to fight to prove their property is legit when already taken, which is quite costly, and thus most people end up giving up. That's why people continue with crimes out there as more property is taken compared to criminals. Prison entrepreneurs taking up government contracts. The prison model of private prisons is quite favorable. When public prisons were getting full, the government had to think of ways to develop more detention centers, which was quite challenging. Private companies proposed to the government that if they would be given contracts to build prisons, they can build them faster, safer, and at a low cost. Today, the work of prison entrepreneurs is to secure government contracts and build and run prisons. To make more money, they either increase each prisoner's price per day, lower the operating costs, or increase the number of customers in their facilities. Entrepreneurs pitching for prison labor. Some entrepreneurs in the U.S. prefer prison labor to a regular free citizen's effort when they need simple manual labor. Hiring an average free citizen is quite costly as they have to pay for market wages and other benefits. The solution is prison laborers as they only pay them coinages 
charges and they can't complain. Who profits from our prison system? Mass incarceration on a scale almost unexampled in human history is a fundamental fact of our country today, perhaps the fundamental fact as slavery was the fundamental fact of 1850. In truth, there are more black men in the grip of the criminal justice system in prison, on probation, or on parole than were in slavery then. Overall, there are now more people under correctional supervision in America, more than 6 million, than were in the Gulag Archipelago under Stalin at its height. Adam Gopnik, The Caging of America. Consider this, despite the fact that violent crime in America has been on the decline, the nation's incarceration rate has tripled since 1980. Approximately 13 million people are introduced to American jails in any given year. Incredibly, more than 6 million people are under correctional supervision in America, meaning that 1 in 50 Americans are working their way through the prison system, either as inmates or while on parole or probation. According to the Federal Bureau of Prisons, the majority of those being held in federal prisons are convicted of drug offenses, namely marijuana. Presently, one out of every 100 Americans is serving time behind bars. Little wonder, then, that public prisons are overcrowded. Yet while providing security, housing, food, medical care, etc., for 6 million Americans is a hardship for cash-strapped states. To profit-hungry corporations such as Corrections Corp of America and Geo Group, the leaders in the partnership corrections industry, it's a $70 billion gold mine. Thus, with an eye toward increasing its bottom line, CCA has floated a proposal to prison officials in 48 states offering to buy and manage public prisons at a substantial cost savings to the states. In exchange, and here's the kicker, the prisons would have to contain at least 1,000 beds and states would have agreed to maintain a 90% occupancy rate in the privately run prisons for at least 20 years. The problem with this scenario, as Roger Warholz, former Kansas Secretary of Corrections, recognizes is that while states may be tempted by the quick infusion of cash, they would be obligated to maintain these rates and subtle pressure would be applied to make sentencing laws more severe with a clear intent to drive up the population. Unfortunately, that's exactly what has happened. Among the laws aimed at increasing the prison population and growing the profit margins of special interest corporations like CCA are three-strike laws and truth in sentencing legislation. And yes, in case you were wondering, part of the investment pitch for CCA and its cohort geo group include the profits to be made in building Kindler, gentler minimum security facilities designed for detaining illegal immigrants, especially low-risk detainees like women and children. With immigration a persistent problem in the southwestern states, especially in more than 250 such detention centers going up across the country, there is indeed money to be made. For example, GEO's new facility in Carnes County, Texas, boasts a 608-bed facility still smelling of fresh paint and new carpet stretch across a 29-acre swath of farmland in rural South Texas. Rather than prison cells, jumpsuits, and barbed wire fencing, detainees here will sleep in eight-bed dormitory-style quarters, wearing more cozy attire like jeans and t-shirts. The facility's high walls enclose lush green courtyards with volleyball courts, an astroturf soccer field, and basketball hoops, where detainees are free to roam throughout the day. All of this, of course, comes at taxpayer expense. Antonio T. Smith, Jr. Give thanksgiving for each moment. See self and other self as the creator. Open your heart. Always know the light and praise it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.